to the next episode of Macro Matters with Millennium Global, the podcast where we tackle the big macro issues of the day and discuss how they affect your portfolio. Today, we'll be tackling the question, is FX carry back from the dead? And if so, how should investors think about accessing it and incorporating it into a portfolio? My name is Abigail Cushing, and today I'm joined by Mark Astley, who is the co-CEO of Millennium Global, a $20 billion currency specialist manager who has been managing active currency strategies for institutional investors since 1994. Mark, thank you for taking the time. You're welcome. So carry was previously one of the most popular trades in foreign exchange, although its popularity took a big hit in the aftermath of the global financial crisis when most global central banks drove interest rates to essentially zero. Here we are, 14 years post-crisis, in a very different environment, with inflation at multi-decade highs and, and some central banks, once again, raising interest rates aggressively. Does this perhaps suggest that the carry trade, as we knew it, is back from the dead? Well, we think the carry trade is back with a vengeance. Um, interest rates are rising significantly, as you mentioned. More importantly, perhaps, interest rate differentials are widening. Economic cycles are asynchronous. So there are different things going on across different regions of the world economy. And FX volatility is rising. In fact, having perhaps doubled in the last three years. So the opportunity set has returned. And it's interesting to look back over that 14-year period to observe that that was really an aberrational period in global economic and financial history. We had interest rate repression with central banks moving rates to zero or even below the lower bound. Um, we had massive injection of liquidity through QE, uh, and we had the crushing of volatility. And if you look at the longer-term history of foreign exchange over the period of floating exchange rates in the last 50 years, that was an aberration, and arguably an aberration over perhaps even 300 years of economic history. And that's over. And that's why we think carry is back. And it's a very attractive way of accessing a particular source of uh, return per unit of risk uh, going forward, which will integrate into multi-asset portfolios. Is there anything different this time around in comparing the macro environment to the period before the global financial crisis when carry worked very well? What are the key differences to consider now in this arguably quite different regime? And also, how should we think about timing? We've all been through enough to know that the only constant in markets is change. How long do we think the environment for carry will continue to be favorable? That's an interesting question in the context of the academic research and the empirical analysis. And there's been a vast amount of that done in the last uh, 10 or 20 years or so. And it's examined the period not simply since the onset of floating foreign exchange rates in the early 70s, but actually some research has gone all the way back through the entirety of the 20th century. So we have over 100 years of data analyzing the efficacy of FX carry in the context of the returns it provides per unit of risk. And the evidence seems quite clear that in normal times, uh, carry performs generally positively. Uh, and in many cases, in fact, for the 35 years or so since the big onset of the floating foreign exchange regime, let's call it, has had a sharp ratio almost double, if not more, than that provided by the S&P 500 and other equity markets. 
The aberration, in fact, is the 14 years of the period since the global financial crisis of 2008. For the reasons we've just discussed around interest rate repression, excessive liquidity, and unconventional and unorthodox central bank monetary policy around the world. There is a very strong case to make that era is over and it's never going to return. And we can go back in the history books perhaps 300 years or even longer to the Medici period to say that this really was an aberration. Um, and that's what's exciting about looking at FX carry today because what you might call is the new normal arguably is actually the old normal, the normal state of affairs wherein you do have this differentiation of economic cycles, of interest rates, of a higher level of carry, and therefore the opportunity to avail yourself of this FX carry risk factor to good effect within the context of a multi-strategy and multi-asset portfolio. So it's a very exciting time to look at it once again. So empirical evidence proves that when FX carry works, it works well, though there are definitely associated concerns. Leverage and crowding are, are two that come to mind, making carry strategies potentially vulnerable to exogenous shocks in the market. I've heard the phraseology before, taking the stairs up and the elevator down. What are the principal risks in adopting an FX carry strategy that investors should consider? Well, both the research and the empirical evidence is clear that the character of FX carry, in fact, as you imply, is negatively skewed, this notion of going up the escalator and down the elevator, and that there is an associated, as researchers characterize it, as crash risk. Uh, that's more significant in emerging markets, but nevertheless, it is existing in developed markets. And of course, the global financial crisis was perhaps the case study of that phenomenon. And the research suggests that the reason why there is a risk premium in carry, which is against the uncurred, uncovered interest rate parity theorem, is because of this crash risk. And you can put a price on that. And the price is, is, is calibrated in a way to justify the risk premium. So what that means is the way you manage carry can be enhanced by being aware of that and managing drawdowns, so to mitigate them and improve the overall returns yet further than even a passively oriented carry program. So there's nothing particularly novel about a naive carry strategy, buying the top three yielders and selling the bottom three. Can the strategy be effectively enhanced to improve its risk reward characteristics? And, and if so, how? Yeah, we've spent a lot of time looking at that very question. We think it can be enhanced materially in two dimensions, that of the return dimension and of the risk dimension in the following ways. If you take the top three, bottom three currencies in the context of the G10 universe, that ordinarily in a passive way results in a 33% allocation for each of the three on the positive side against selling 33% of the currencies that are the lowest yielders. However, the adjustment of weights of those exposures using a quantitative model can materially enhance returns by favoring those that are perhaps going to do better than the average and disfavoring those who may do less well than the average. And similarly for the short currencies, making those shorter for those that are going to perform at the bottom of the pile, so to speak, and disfavoring those 
uh, that, are, that are not going to do that. So the adjustment of the weights of those exposures is something that you can do to materially enhance the overall returns of those carrier currencies, not simply have a passive approach. As to the risk dimension, it's possible to focus on this issue I mentioned a moment ago about the drawdown risk in times of high volatility and what the markets would call risk-off periods, and look at a volatility switch through a threshold to reduce the amount of exposure to carry in those seldom, infrequent, very material drawdowns that can happen, the global financial crisis being the one we've touched upon here, but also the uh, beginning of the pandemic in 2020, and so on. And by limiting the drawdown to occur in those infrequent but significant periods, then you substantially enhance the overall return per unit of risk that the FX carry on an enhanced basis can grant. Let's talk about emerging markets for a minute. Some would argue that in emerging markets, carry perhaps never went away, although investing in carry in emerging markets is a different beast, with central banks hiking rates for different reasons than those of G10 economies, and with liquidity also being less readily available. What are the considerations when approaching carry in emerging markets, and, and how far down the liquidity credit spectrum should an investor consider going? Well, certainly liquidity is important when thinking about accessing FX carry through emerging markets, because to the extent you need to manage across the return dimension and risk dimension, as I alluded to before, you need to have the available liquidity to do so without having a very significant hit in transaction costs. So we would go down to perhaps the 10 or so currencies beyond the G10, but not to the frontier currencies, which would have a limitation in terms of liquidity. The other concern is not just liquidity, but also gap risk. You do tend to find that emerging markets um, do suffer from time to time with gap risk, which cannot be risk managed as easily as currencies that don't have that kind of gap risk. So for example, if we take the case of uh, Turkey, which has been the poster child for um, emerging markets collapsing in the last several years, we have had examples where news events around the weekend when markets are not even open will affect the fortunes of the currency. And therefore, as trading opens the following Monday, uh, the gap risk that ensues is very materially impactful upon the total returns. It can be either positive or negative, in this case, very negative, uh, if you're holding a portfolio, including those kind of currencies. That almost never happens in developed markets, and it's something to be aware of if you embrace the notion of having emerging markets in such a portfolio. However, of course, Emerging markets do have far higher yields typically than developed markets, and therefore there's a case to be made to embrace on a selective basis those emerging markets that one might consider. And the kind of countries I'm thinking of would be in Latin America, in particular Brazil and Mexico. In the European time zone, you'd be thinking of Czech, Hungary, Poland, Russia, and then further south in South Africa. And then in Asia, you'd be thinking of um, the Thai baht, the Taiwan dollar, the Korean won, and so on, and the Chinese renminbi. Um, so there's a variety of currencies that can be embraced to extend uh, the universe beyond G10 for those that are prepared to embrace a higher risk profile. So Mark, if we are entering a world in which carry is in fact back, and it can be offered in a manner that's superior and less risky than a naive approach, the strategy is 
arguably quite attractive given its low correlation to traditional assets in a world where that type of differentiation is ever harder to find. How then should an investor think about implementing this strategy in a multi-asset, multi-strategy portfolio? Well, it fits very well within that context because it's a very differentiated source of return. um, And it's very attractive from the perspective of having low or even negative correlations with traditional asset classes and even alternative asset classes. And on its own merits, uh, the research again says very clearly that for very long periods of time, uh, with only infrequent uh, drawdowns, you get a very high sharp ratio relative to many of the traditional asset classes which are most common. The S&P 500 I mentioned earlier and other indices and other fixed income assets. So to the extent that you can achieve even a high, a sharp ratio of 0.8 or even up to one, then it's very attractive uh, today in terms of thinking that could be usefully uh, implemented within a multi-asset, multi-strategy portfolio. So we think that the prospects going forward are very positive, akin to what we have seen in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and certainly in the great moderation where Carry was perhaps at its strongest performance, 2003, 4, 5, 6, prior to the GFC. And in fact, that prior 14-year period from 2008 to pretty much this year was the aberration. And uh, we're now going back to, as I mentioned, the old normal, when FX carry is highly attractive on its own merits and within the context of a multi-strategy portfolio. Well, thank you, Mark, for this interesting discussion. It sounds that carry is, in fact, back. And it's something that we should be paying closer attention to in the coming months and years. Thank you very much.